everyone out there. Welcome to Dan and Jimbo's AEW Dynamite Review for July 8th, 2020 and the second part of Fighter Fest. That's How right. you doing? Doing good, man. I'm tired. I've been up since about 4.30 in the morning. But other than that, I'm wonderful. Yeah. Um, I thought this was a really good episode of AEW and... I don't know, I wasn't expecting much out of tonight. I thought, you know, since they had the card shuffle-ups, you know, I thought maybe Cassidy versus Jericho would be good. Um, but there were two very good matches that um, really uh, sh- that really saved the show for me. What were they? Uh, well, I, I think maybe we should get to them when we get to the actual matches, and I'll just say this was one of the really good matches. Um, we were starting off with a match that was, to me, a little underwhelming. Uh, the AEW tag titles on the line as Kenny Omega and Adam Page defended against Private Party. Um, yeah. what'd you think? I mean, pretty good action. Um, you know, Private Party showed that they're in the game. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think it quite lived up to last week's tag title match. Mm-hmm. Um... And I don't know, it was it was good, but it wasn't great. And, you know, I think Matt Hardy's involvement, um, you know, lends a little something to them, but also, you know, just wasn't quite enough uh, to get them over the top. So yeah. we'll see where that relationship goes from there. But, I mean, yeah, not a bad match. You know, the it's it's kind of a, almost a shame that, you know, the, the tag team division in AEW right now is amazing, in my opinion. Yeah. And, you know, it's... It's, it almost makes it harder for everyone to, you know, impress. Yeah, um, so. definitely. Like, if you have a wonderful tag team division, or if you have a wonderful anything division, a wonderful women's division, a wonderful world title scene, a wonderful mid-card scene, it makes um, it hard for those guys to deliver every week. And honestly, um, I think that's one of the things WWE has going for it. I think it has a very strong mid-card right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so though it puts the pressure on those guys to perform, and I just felt like that pressure was felt in this match. You know, it was good action, but I wish there had been maybe a little more of it. This match could have used a bit more time, and um, right, right. The finish just sort of came out of nowhere. Yeah, you know, one second private party was high fl- flying and going up, and then just buckshot, whatever, and done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a pretty quick finish, um, but, you know, overall a good match. Um, mm. You know, not terrible, not not great, you know, somewhere in the middle to me. Yeah, so. um, maybe like a, out of five stars, maybe I'd give it two and a half. Yeah, two and a half to three. I would give it a three. It was, it's just, uh, you know, it's funny because we do in the music podcast, I feel like I give more forgiving grades, but with this one, I feel like I'm much harder and like, you know, this is this and this is how I feel about this. With the music grades, I'm more like, you know, I don't know a whole lot about music. So, in my taste. Right. Yeah, you find just, yourself being more critical because it's something that you know more about, you follow more, you're passionate about it. And yeah, it's, um, yeah, that I could definitely tell the difference between this and the music podcast we do with your brother. Cause yeah. It's, uh, so, yeah. It's definitely this, more your forte. This definitely didn't impress me too much. You know, Private Party, I see, as being the next big tag team. You know, 
when the Young Bucks and whoever have moved on, I feel like Private Party will be there. They're young, too. They were talking about that tonight. I didn't know how young yeah. they were. I think they're 23 and 25. Yeah, they're so, very young. Um, yeah, they got they got a lot of good years out of them. So at least, uh, hopefully, knock on wood, they stay injury-free and, and, you know, they stay out of trouble just in general in life. And um, they, could go, they could go a long way. They could yeah. go a long way, definitely. It feels like we're sort of in the middle of, like, a new genesis in wrestling. You know, like, those older guys like Cena and Undertaker and Orton are starting to sort of phase out. Mm-hmm. And the newer guys, uh, like Private Party and, um, you know, MJF and Darby Allen, they're starting to, like become more in the spotlight and that's really good for me because that's something wrestling fans have been waiting for for probably a decade at this point yeah and you see them getting you know you see them getting proper pushes usually you know they're not always at the top of the game but they're you know i mean mjf you know he's uh he's always in the conversation for a title Mm -hmm. um his record is almost impeccable he hasn't been pinned in a singles match yet um, so yeah, I mean, I they, think only matched by Pac. Does Pac's work at the same? Yeah, I think Pac doesn't hasn't lost a singles match yet. <laughs> anyway, uh, next up we had Joey Janela versus Lance Archer, and this match was, you know, it was a match. More or less a squash. I mean, Janela showed some offense a few times, but yeah, uh, uh, yeah it I was. Mean, I don't know if I'd consider it a squash. It had varying points of a squash, but. It was, it was what I kind of expected. It was like David and Goliath, you know, at various points in the match, Joey Janela was trying to cut down Lance Archer and trying to, you know, use his quickness to his advantage, but then Lance Archer just uh, very, very, like, big move to end the match. Uh, he did that weird reverse razor's edge thing mm-hmm. through the table, and Joey Janela was just done. Yeah. Out. Yep. Um, yeah, that's how he won the match, pretty much. And, you know, they showed a couple points where Jake Roberts was, uh, you know, even yelling at Archer when he was, you know, not happy with what he was doing. Mm. Um, Sonny Kiss came out, um, tried to help Joey Janelle a little bit and did a little bit, but, you know, it didn't prove to be yeah. enough. So Then, uh, then he got hit by, a. Lance Archer at one point. That's one of the weirdest parts about AEW managers. I feel like, you know, with normal man with the managers in WWE or like in post wrestling eras, mm-hmm. like you hate them and they're down for good. Right. But and that's I think the way it should be because they're like they're not in ring wrestlers at least anymore. So maybe they're a little bit more fragile and prone to Injury. Yeah, we see that happen now. The thing with Arn Anderson last week, um, you know, we see we've seen it happen with 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 Jake Roberts. You know, those are two tough, you know, guys considered tough guys in their time. So you know, they they'll take the fall, but they're not going to stay down too long because they don't want, even though they're old men and could stay down, and no one would think any worse of them, really. Yeah. Um, and they would probably, you know, that's a better way to get the guy over that just hit you. Yeah. So I don't understand it either. I don't understand why they don't just stay down and. Whatever, yeah. or you know, get helped up and now to been back, you know, put and brought to the back or whatever. And that's the sort of thing you could use as a plot device as someone like gets more fired up because mm-hmm. you hit their manager and you're not allowed to do that. Right, right. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's an ego thing. Maybe mm. they just don't want to stay down. Yeah, 
I mean, literally, Arn Anderson and Jake Roberts were considered two of the toughest guys in the business in their day. So, you know, I think there's something to that, but uh, yeah. who knows? Uh, yeah, they're just a pretty standard match here. I'd give it two stars. Yeah. You know. Same here. Same here. Um, then we had a Darby Allen video. Video. He was just talking about how he's uh, almost back, I think. Mm-hmm. I think he's maybe next week, week after. I don't know. I don't know if he said exactly, but he said he's close to being back. Um, he did some kind of stunt afterwards. and Yeah, he like He mentioned Brian Cage, so he, I guess they're that's, foreshadowing that. You that's know. probably the feud for Brian Cage when Moxley inevitably beats him. Right. Uh, but nothing to say much about this. Like, you know, it's just... Just a vignette, yeah. It's a standard thing. It's become a weekly thing with Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Um, we then had Taz come out with Brian Cage. And a special announcement. Yeah, this was <laughs> lame. Um, Everyone was predicting it was going to be lame, too. Unless he were like, you know, said he was going to manage someone new. That would have been interesting. Um, which still might be the case. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, this... But, yeah, I mean, he brought out the old FTW belt. Yeah, that's an ugly belt. That's an ugly belt. That's an old Why belt. Why is it orange? I, I think, feel... I think it was... No, well, first of all, it's orange because it's Taz's color. Oh. Second of all, yeah, it was... Uh, he had it back in ECW. He yeah. created that title and he wore it. And I'm, I didn't follow ECW real, real, real close back then. But, I mean, I'm sure he lost it a few times. Or else why even bother? Yeah. It's, like I was telling Dan tonight, it was like it kind of reminds me of the old um, million dollar belt. It's like something he created, you know. He defended sometimes, but wasn't any kind of a recognized, you know, thing. But he just wanted something. I think he needed something to do this week to to discontinue yeah. to pump the the match with Mox and the Cage. So I mean, it was what it was. You know, it it could be a cool thing. I feel like that's one of the main complaints people have had with AEW. That it doesn't have enough titles to fight for, and WWE sort of beats it with that. And, you know, with the introduction of the TNT Championship, and maybe this could just be another mid-card title that people could fight for when they're not fighting for the TNT Championship. But, I just don't think so, because it's like, it's got his name on it. It's like, it's a weird title, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't, maybe they could I turn mean, it into something, but I think, like I said, it's going to be more like the million-dollar belt. I think it's going to be like a, a, you know, a party trick. It's going to be a... You know, it's something that they can it's say. A, it's a prop, not a prop, yeah. real title. Right, I right, mean, right. all titles are props. All titles are props. But, but that's more one than most. And in my opinion, there are certain colors that shouldn't be on title belts. Mm-hmm. When I said, I sort of said this when the Universal title came out, red, I think, should never be on a championship. Because that just makes it big and goofy and look like jam. Right. And um, green should never be on a championship and which that has been too there was a title that had a green belt once wasn't there was there i don't know i probably didn't look at it too I much i think one of the versions of the intercontinental title once uh, i don't know i don't remember i really remember I'm, there being a green strap at i some sort point. of mean like neon green like dark green is less mm. but like neon green i can't look at that it's right, right. repulsive and orange right should never. I feel like should never be on a title. Well, because they all look too cartoony to me. Yeah, yeah. But uh, enough about the FTW belt. Next up, we had um, FTR and the Young Bucks versus uh, 
Lucha Bros and Butcher and Blade. You know, I, I sort of thought this match was going to be just a so showcase for the um, Lucha Bros. No, I mean FTR and the Young Bucks. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it was a showcase of all four teams. And honestly, I think this is one of the matches that made the night good for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was happy about the action in it. Really good. Um, through most of the match, they had uh, the Young Bucks and FTR. You know, you kept expecting maybe a little heat between the two of them, but they worked like amazingly together. They were they were doing each other's moves. Like one one guy in FTR was working with one of the guys in Young Bucks to do a move, and it was really interesting the way they did that. Yeah, so I give that the, a big thumbs up. They did the old Shatter Machine, but now it's called the Good Night Express, which is a horrible name. <laughs> um, I I missed. It being called the Shatter Machine, right? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, just really solid wrestling. Uh, and I've, I've heard whenever Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks get in a ring, it's like incredible. But I was like, yeah, people are probably overshooting that a bit. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Lucha Bros definitely got the biggest, you know, bump out of this whole match. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, they they looked super impressive. Um, I think they wanted them to. I think they want to start showcasing them more. I think they want to remind people because they were out of action for so long. Well, you know, uh, what was it? Pentagon Junior uh, oh, yeah, was stuck in Mexico because of the pandemic for a while. So um, he, um, they were supposed to be in a trio faction with Pac. Mm -hmm. I almost called him Neville for a sec for a second. <laughs> um, oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, but I I think Neville's stuck in England. What were they called? The, uh, the Death Circle or something. Something like that. Yeah. It's a dumb name, but um, uh, yeah, um, I thought that this match just gel. I think that the eight guys gel really well. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, we know Butcher and the Blade and FTR have great chemistry. Um, I've heard that Lucha Bros and Young Bucks have great chemistry. Right. Um, and you could just tell they all really knew how to wrestle each other. Yeah, a lot of hot action, hot tags. Um, just really good. It was just really enjoyable to watch. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, that would be like four and a half stars on my, on my book. I'd give it, I'd give it four and three quarters, maybe. Okay, okay. Um, the, the most pleasant thing about the whole thing, though, which they, a lot of times, won't do that they did, was they had, uh... They had Lucha Bros and Butcher and the Blade win the match. Yeah, well, there's a little bit of controversy. A little controversy about that. About because, that. Yeah. Um, in the middle of the match, you had Matt or Nick go for a super kick on Dax or Cash, and I think it was the one that used to be Scott Dawson. It was the one who used to be Scott Dawson, and Matt or Nick went for a super kick on Pentagon Junior, and he ducked and he hit. I think that's Dax. Um, yeah, he I think hit that's Dax that. with a super kick, and then Pentagon hit him with something and pinned him. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was a Falcon Arrow. Right. Um, also during the match, we had some really uh, some of the high spots in the match. You had Matt or Nick hit Pentagon Junior with a spanish fly i think it was nick i the only reason i can tell them apart is because nick has a full beard and mm -hmm. matt has the sideburns um nick hit uh pentagon jr with a spanish fly and then also nick 
hit also Pentagon Jr. with a huge... Or no, it was, Pena, it was Ray Phoenix hit Nick with a Canadian Destroyer onto everyone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was you, a pretty good spot. I feel like you don't see Canadian Destroyers much anymore. Right, right. Except Adam Cole. I think Adam Cole does a Canadian Destroyer. Mm-hmm. Um, he call, but he comes, calls it something stupid like a Panama Sunrise or something like that. Right, right. Um, next up, we had Nyla Rose in action. She faced two jobbers. Yeah, it was a um, handicap match. I guess, I don't know. Do they not call it that anymore? Is that not cool anymore? I don't know what, but I it used to be a, called a handicap match. I mean, I think it can still be called a handicap match. I don't think it's really making fun of handicapped people. I just right. think it's like they have a handicap in this match. Yeah. Know? Well, two-on-one, like, handicap, whichever you want to call it. Um, Nyla Rose versus, yeah, two jobbers. Uh, one of the girls was 18, they said. Yeah. Um, um, and they both had zero and three or zero and four records. Yeah, they so, just got completely destroyed. Yeah. She came in and completely destroyed, and then she had her big announcement afterwards, which was a big announcement. I'm going to be interested to see. Um, she says she has found a manager. Um, and she will reveal it at some other point. She wouldn't bring the person out tonight, which is weird. Uh, lends to a lot of speculation. Um, yeah, I think you it's... Know, people throwing the name out there, and even the broadcast team was saying, you know, Jake Roberts, Taz. Uh, I think Tully Taz Blanchard. would probably be the best fit for her, because Taz, I think, could be the guy that gets behind all the beasts, like all the yeah. super big yeah, That kind of works for Jake Roberts, though, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I don't know if they want Jake Roberts or Taz. I see Taz more creating a stable than a Jake Roberts would. Jake Roberts seems like, you know, his kind of whole deal is he's very singular, singularly focused. So he might, you know, be less of a fit uh, than a Taz would. I can see Taz because he's such a, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. I don't know how you feel about Taz, but he's he's a good mouthpiece. Yeah. And he um, he could probably run a stable pretty well, if you ask me. Yeah, again, uh, just in my opinion, Taz needs to pick a lane with his... Before he creates a stable, he needs to pick a lane with his managing. Is he going to be Paul Heyman, or is he going to do his own thing? Right, right. Um, at this point, AEW could probably get Paul Heyman in their books, because he got fired. Um, he didn't get fired. He just stayed. He's not creative, doing creative anymore. Oh, really? I thought he got full on fired. No, no, no. He still works there. I mean, when Brock Lesnar comes back, he'll still have Paul. Paul. Oh. I heard Impact offered him a job. Really? Um. Uh. Next up, we had. I actually want to have something to talk. I actually have something to talk about before the main event. But before mm-hmm. that, we will talk about Dark Order and Colt Cabana versus SCU. This was again a really good match, but you know nothing. Compared to the two best matches of the night. Right. Before the match started, they showed backstage that Cabana had an injury. The entire side of his, well, his midsection, the side part of his midsection was like purple bruised. Yeah. Like it looked sick. I don't know if that was real or not. That was, I think that but, was makeup because he got like fake attacked. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But that was, it. whatever, whoever did the job on the makeup, it was good because it looked crazy. Um... Uh, so yeah, it was a six-man tag, um, SCU um, versus Dark Order with Cole Cabana, or is Cole Cabana Dark Order? I don't know. We don't really know yet. He hasn't, I guess, I'm, made any kind of official uh, yeah. statement saying he's in there, but... I'm just going to call it Dark Order and Cole Cabana for now. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, this was really good. You know, Cole Cabana didn't wrestle that much. 
Yeah, I felt I mean, like he was playing were... injured, so they kind of kept him out um, as much as they could. Um, yeah, I did love the selling in this because he just, whenever anyone did anything to his midsection, like, I think Scorpio Sky just did something as simple as put him in a waist lock, mm-hmm. and he winced in pain, and it was just really convincing. Um, yeah, I don't know, Dark Order 1, um... It was just the same thing they did last week. I think it was Brody Lee hit him with a discus clothesline, and Colt Cabana just pinned him. Yeah, pretty much the same thing. Delivering him the win, letting him get the pin, and, uh, you know, moving on with his uh, hopeful entry into Dark Order. Not hopeful on my part. I don't care, but, you know, that seems to be the storyline they're heading to, yeah. but we'll see. Um, I mean, I, I, I think I sort of understand where they're going with this story, you know, uh, we did a podcast two weeks ago, and I was just like, "Like, where are they going with this? They mm-hmm. had Colt Cabana sort of act like a loser in this, but I think what they're doing is building up Colt Cabana's ego so he can start actually winning. Right. Um, all right, so before we get to the main event, we had a very important promo that took place before the week even started from a released WWE superstar to AEW. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking about that earlier in the week. Yeah. um, EC3 is going to AEW, which a lot of people didn't expect. A lot of people were calling him the the fourth, is it, competitor? Yeah. In the world title uh, match at at Slammiversary, but apparently that's not true. Yeah. Who are the other ones? Um, I don't know too much about Impact anymore. I know it's Ace Austin... And, oh, and Trey, I don't know who Trey is, mm. but I remember that. And who was the other one? The other one's someone pretty big too. Ken Shamrock. No, he's in Impact now. Yeah, no, no, it's not an old school guy. It's someone fairly new. I can't remember who. And then yeah, fourth mystery uh, competitor. It's probably gonna um, be Eric Young. Most people think it's gonna be Eric Young now, but I don't know. We'll see. Could be anyone. Uh, could be Luke Gallows. And um. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the other thing. What's their names? Uh, Gallows yeah, and Anderson, Anderson. Uh, signed with Impact too. Again, surprising. Like, uh, just in the fact that, from what I hear, the the only reason they're signing with them is because they're going to let them compete in Japan pretty much whenever they want, and yeah. you know, do some spots for them. But you know, but I mean, Luke Gallows does have sort of a history with TNA. He was in Aces and Eight. And, well, oh. that's that's the biggest part of it. They're talking about Aces and Eights reforming now, oh, in a different way. I think, obviously, but apparently. Um, Bully Ray's coming back. Oh, really? Um, apparently... I thought he was retired. I mean, I don't know if he's going to compete, you know, I don't know if he's going to wrestle a lot, but I think it's going to be, I think Bully Ray's coming back, and I think, who, what was I reading? That someone in Impact, at the end of one of their last shows, like, threw up the Aces and Eights sign? I don't know. I didn't, like, I, I sort of was watching when Aces and Eights were in, but I don't remember a yeah. lot about it. I watched like a whole video that a YouTuber called Wrestling with Regret did on Aces and Eights, and the whole storyline was weird. They said that could have been a really good faction, but they screwed up a couple things, and I don't know what. Yeah. I, like I said, I wasn't really paying much attention back then. Yeah, and I don't know. Just like it's long and weird. Watch watch his video because he explains it better than I ever could. Right, right. Um. So yeah, I think they're reforming Aces and Eights. Uh. Luke Gallows was in Aces and Eights, right? Yeah, he was. He yeah. was, uh, that's back when he was Doc Gallows, I think. 
Right, right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it looks like they yeah. might piece that faction together back together somehow. I don't know. So, yeah, but. back to topic, sort of. Yep. EC3, he released a whole promo. Sort of, was it just sort of AW or did he explicitly, or did it explicitly say AW? No, first of all, yeah, when I first saw it, it was weird, I was telling you, because I must have caught it a couple seconds in, and I didn't see anything about AEW, but he kept using AEW talent's names in his promo. Like, he was talking about the pandemic, saying, this is the American nightmare. And then wow. he would, like, you know, get all your get all your best friends and, and your young bucks together. You know, he kept, like, using yeah. AEW names. Something about a was, dark order. Yeah, like the dark order. And so it was like, this is weird. Like, if he's not going to AEW, then that's... This is really weird. If he is, then it makes sense. But when I watched it again, right in the beginning, the AEW sign flashes before he starts talking. Yeah. So, and I think at the very end, the AEW sign comes back too. So yeah, I mean, it was pretty widely known that um, that he's yeah that he's signed with AEW. People were surprised about that, but you yeah. know, I'm not you know. EC3 is a good talent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, um, hopefully they use him right and. And you know he gets to he gets to shine a little bit here because he awesome. was really jerked around in WWE. If you ask me, awesome new look too. Didn't he yeah. have a beard? He looked yeah. He kind of had a. I'm trying to remember if it was a goatee or a beard, but whatever it was, it was. It made him look way more badass, and mm-hmm. he was really well spoken in the in the promo. Like it was a really good promo. It was super interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, give him best of luck to him. Yeah, I could see him going with Taz because he's a super muscly guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Cody's got an open challenge next week, so mm-hmm. potentially EC3 could accept. I mean, <coughs> people are desperate to see a non-AW guy hold a title, and we need a heel for a champion, and I wouldn't be against, against seeing... I think you meant non-WWE guy, but I know, I know what you meant. Well, I mean, he is technically a non-WWE guy because he was in TNA first. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think everyone sort of forgets he was in WWE. Yeah, and it's hard to... I mean, you know, you may have people that were in it for a very short amount of time, but I've, pretty much everyone's been through WWE. Yeah. You know, it's hard to come up with a talent that hasn't. But I don't um, consider the people who are just one and done to be WWE guys. I consider EC3 a TNA guy. Yeah, because he had his biggest success there, and WWE just used him like crap. I mean, that was terrible. Yeah. They, they mean, did not give him a chance. Moxley, um, Jericho, and Cody. You can call them all AW, um, WWE guys, but mm-hmm. everyone else who who was sort of in WWE but wasn't really, right. you can you know you can call FTR WWE guys too potentially. But everyone who had their biggest su- successes elsewhere and just came to WWE for a bit, mm-hmm. you can call them TNA or PWG guys. Right. Um, anyway, to the main event. Uh, Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy. This match was five stars in my opinion. I mean, I wouldn't go that far. If you, I mean, I'm glad you felt that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I, I almost agree. Like, probably again, four and a half to me. Um, did, did, I think the only, it, yeah, it, the action was really good. Orange Cassidy is really good. Yeah. I mean, I think if, if they did, if anything came out of that match, it's showing that he can. He can hang with uh, the bigger stars. Um, he can wrestle right alongside them. He can take some of their best shots, and you know, still still keep going. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think, yeah, I think this is going to elevate him a bit, um, uh, even a bit more. And even though he's, he, I mean, he's elevating himself. This is one guy I've heard a lot of people talk about, like, is the rare thing that, like, made himself, put himself over. Yeah. Before anyone else really had a chance to. And thank God he didn't come to WWE because WWE hates that. Yeah, they would not have used him right at like all. Like Ryder, when he got himself over years ago, they mm. were just like, hey, take the U.S. title and then immediately lose it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Daniel Bryan is probably the most glaring. Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston are probably the most glaring exceptions, but WWE hates stuff like that. Right. You know, we get you over or you don't get over. Exactly. Which is stupid. Yeah, um, but good action in the match. I mean, really interesting. Like I was about to say, I, 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 and I know this sounds, I don't know, I don't know what it sounds like, but, and, and, and I give Jericho all the credit in the world as far as, you know, his age. Um, for his age, he's kind of getting out of shape. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still immensely entertaining on the mic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he ever won't be. Um He's losing a step in the ring. He really is, and yeah. and I, I, too bad it was. This wasn't you know Chris Jericho even like two years ago. Yeah, cause... you know I think only over the last two years, let's say approximately, has has he really been losing steps. Um, and I think if this was the Chris Jericho, like I said, even of a few years ago, not I won't even say in his prime. If he was in his prime, it would be amazing, mm-hmm. but. You know, even a Chris Jericho from two years ago, I think this would have been a better match. I, I just, I see him losing his steps, kind of like any of these guys that get older, like The Undertaker or, yeah, you know, Triple H or any of these guys that step in the ring at an advanced age. It's like, you can't help but lose a step, and I get that, and I know that they, they understand that, mm-hmm. but it's, that's the only thing I could say about the match that was a little like, oh, okay. Yeah. Chris Jericho was not... Himself, like not well. I, mean, I don't. Know, I guess that is him now. But you know, he just it. What he wasn't. He wasn't all over it. He wasn't on top of it like Chris Jericho. You expect the Chris yeah. Jericho to be. Um. Um. You know, I'm not saying Chris Jericho should retire because if he's got a few good years left in the tank, you know, maybe. I mean, obviously, if you don't have any good years left in the tank, but if you, like. If you can still do it, but you don't have any good years left in the tank, that's when you retire. That's the right spot, because you can still put on good matches. <clears throat> but you can tell in a few months you won't be able to, mm-hmm. that you retire. Right. Um, and I think there are some people that know that, that knew that, like Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think Triple H is losing a step in the ring. Um, I mean, I think he's lost a step. I don't think he's lost as much of a step as some of these other guys. Um, I think he's still pretty viable when, he, if you know, when and if he needs to be. I don't know how much he's ever going to wrestle again, but I, I think he'll have one or two more matches, maybe. Um, you know, possibly. Um, but anyway, yeah, I just you know, and really, I really don't want to, you know. Uh, slam Jericho much here because he's amazing. Yeah. And he's still got it pretty much. But yeah. like I said, if anything held that match back, it was Jericho's limitations a little bit. Yeah. You know, I agree with you, but still, you know, like Jericho, anyone at his age or even younger mm-hmm. yeah, um, wouldn't, wouldn't be able to do that. And Jericho actually came, because uh, this was filmed uh, before tonight, this whole night. Um, and Jericho came out on social media and didn't spoil anything. 
but said, I got to say, this match that I had with Orange Cassidy was probably one of the best matches I've ever been involved in. Yeah. And, and that's I, saying a lot coming I gotta from him. I got to agree with him because, you know, I love Jer- Chris Jericho matches, you know. Chris Jericho versus Shawn Michaels at Unforgiven 2008 was incredible. Um, was it Unforgiven? I think it was No Mercy. I don't remember. But, um, wow, funny. One of my favorite matches of all time. I don't remember where it took place. It was definitely No Mercy. Right. But this really was one of his best showings, at least in the last couple of years. Right. Um, I don't know. Maybe not. But... It was a really good showing from at least Orange Cassidy and probably Jericho too. Right. Santana and Ortiz, I don't know why they were out there. They they threw the orange juice in his face. They carried orange juice to the ring, which I thought was bricks at first. <laughs> um, but they threw the orange juice in his face and then it was he kicked out of and then Jericho hit him with a baseball bat and he kicked well, out. My best friends came out and chased them out. Um, yeah, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, this match was just, like, really incredible. Like, yeah, you know that this match is going to be talked about for a while. Uh-huh. Maybe not for years and years to come. Maybe not decades later they'll talk about Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy, but they will talk about it for at least the next couple of years. Yeah, sure. Um, I agree. Uh, anything else to talk about? I'll fight for the Fallen next yeah, week. Yeah, next week. Um, trying to remember the other matches. Then obviously the Cage and Mox match they were talking about. Um, there was FTR, a tag team match. FTR. Well, versus it is FTR Lucha versus Bros. Lucha Brothers. That's going to be That's cool. That's going to be wonderful. That's going to be cool. There was um, another oh, Kenny and the Young Bucks versus right. the Jurassic Express. That's which. It. Yeah. Face versus face. That's weird. Yeah. Um, also, Cody has a title open challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. maybe Orange Cassidy will answer it, or maybe <laughs> EC3, or maybe it'll be Pineapple Pete. Who knows? Pineapple Pete. There we go. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. That's always fun and exciting. Uh, I mean, uh, so what do you give the whole show overall? At a the whole show, five. Uh, at a five, mm, three and a half. Really? Yeah. I'd probably give it a four. Yeah. I was a little underwhelmed, but you know it had enough action that it, it kept me interested. I think if a show has it, if a show has two matches that completely blow you away, like this show had, yeah. it deserves at least four stars. Maybe you may be right. I may be I may be undercutting them a little bit. You know, if a show has two good matches. You stay in the three, three and a half area. Right. But if a show has two matches that just absolutely shatter your expectations and send your <laughs> expectations to the moon, and then they blow But you were a little... That, that's the thing. I think that's the difference. I think you were a little higher on the Cassidy and Jericho match than I was. I And I'm not putting it down at all. I think it was great, but I don't think it was like over the top great. And I think... That's just me. Maybe just because I didn't have many expectations for that match. Mm-hmm. But they really just destroyed my expectations. It might have hurt Jericho's cause a little bit that he even talked about it at all. Because I, maybe I was expecting more. I don't know. Mm. But, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'll go, I'll go up to three and three quarters. That's all I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a fair grade. But I, I, I have to say it for just because it had two matches that absolutely knocked my socks off. Right, right. Um, cool. 
I mean, yeah, um, some good stuff came out of this, you know. We could, we're, we're teased about some feuds maybe to come. Nyla Rose versus Hikaru Shida. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darby Allen versus Brian Cage. Um, maybe... Oh, we didn't talk about Cody Rhodes doing the, uh... Oh, yeah, the Hot Ones. <laughs> the Hot Ones thing. challenge. <laughs> ah. Apparently, yeah, they were pitching throughout the thing. That's just stupid. I shouldn't have even brought it up. But, yeah, they were pitching throughout the whole thing that Cody Rhodes did an episode of uh, Hot Ones with, uh, what's his name, Scott Evans? Sean Evans. Sean Evans. Yeah, he's and a, um, we're big Hot Ones fans here. In the yeah, times. yeah, we watch most of those, so uh be interesting to see Cody's episode. Yeah, um, well, I'm looking forward to Fight for the Fallen next week. You know, mm-hmm. hopefully Cage versus Moxley delivers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, hopefully someone cool comes out to answer Cody's challenge. Yep. And uh, we'll see you next week after Fight for the Fallen. Next week. See you later. Thank you.